Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things product over a cup of coffee. Grab a cup of Joe and join us to level up your product career 30 minutes at a time. I'm one of your co-hosts, Kevin Gentry. Patrick Kuchkowski. And Bergen Neville. Our topic today is how we work together, product managers and engineering managers. Specifically, we have two guests who want to let introduce themselves. I'm Meg Ward. I'm an engineering manager here at Ibotta on the Register and Activate team. I've been here about a year now. Uh, Jeff Warner, um, also an engineering manager here at um, Ad Products, and I've been here for almost uh, eight months now. So before we jump into how we work better together or how others can kind of try and find nuggets to glean from um, our mistakes and our successes, figured give an opportunity to both of you to talk a little bit about your background, how you got into engineering and into engineering management. Um, all right, I'll kick off. Uh, I actually got into engineering very roundaboutly. I was trying to figure out what to do with my life. It was 98, 99. I was working in the computer lab at college while I took some general ed classes. And someone finally pulled me inside and said, you keep answering all our questions. Why are you not in the class yourself? (laughs) Um, I have a degree in liberal studies with a computer science emphasis. I moved into engineering. This will be my 20th year in the industry next year. I spent the past, uh, let's see, I spent 15 years as an individual contributor at my previous position about midway through my four-year stint there. My boss's boss came to me and said, your boss is moving to product management and you're going to manage the team. And he didn't take no for an answer and the rest has been history. All right. What company was that? Uh, I was at IHS Market at the time. Awesome. Jeff? Um, For me, I've been in technology for quite a while. Uh, Took a class in high school, uh, writing basic with a cassette tape to record the program. So... (laughs) Uh, it's been a while, all the way up to uh, writing code and <clears throat> hacking mainframes um, that still had core memory in them. So if you're uh, interested in the museum piece, look that one up. Uh, beyond that, I ended up with a computer science and math degree. I've been writing software and managing people for north of three decades now. So I've worked my way up and down through management. I've been a CIO at a Fortune 1000 company, CTO at a smaller company, I have director, VP, the whole thing. So, Done one of the things, uh, pretty much, yeah. one of the things that I like about this is that I'm working with amazing people doing the things I do, that I get to do that I like the most, which is being involved with technology and making some interesting decisions instead of arguing about budgets and mm. playing Machiavellian games <laughs> at the uh, boardroom. So, mm. yeah. You get that? Well, since our topic of today is how we work together, uh, 
in your opinion, what is the key to effective product and engineering relationships? Trust. Mm, I would agree with trust. Um, I think it really <laughs> helps to sit down and have a good understanding between the two of you as to what is whose responsibility. Mm. Because there can be, especially if you've been in between product <laughs> managers, there can be some flex and some overlap in what gets done. And so having a good sense of, I've got this covered, you'll cover this, and we'll figure the rest out helps. Right. <clears throat> and to delve into the specificity of that, what do you view that is? Is it the PMs out creating stories? You're helping regulate the team? I was say, one of the things I've been thinking about with that particular question is that the EMPM relationship reminds me of an arranged marriage. It's <laughs> <laughs> a great analogy. <laughs> and it's, you know, it, it might work, yeah. but, you know, part of this is going to be a journey of discovery, yeah. you know, of, you know, working with Bergen when she first came on board and getting through the blizzard on her own. Day one. Day. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, about you know, that. <laughs> working with Kevin or Kevin Brady and yep. just, you know, kind of get an idea of what makes the person tick. You mm -hmm. know, and it's it, it's not about hey, this is about me or this mm -hmm. is about you. It's kind of figuring out you know where where the touch points are. Yeah. You know what kind of things. You know what, what's Kevin excited about? What was Bergen excited about? And just working through those. So that's trust. You know, with the ideal that I'm trusting the person I'm working with doesn't have a hidden agenda, isn't just trying to, yeah, well, we can get six months worth of work done in three months and I'm going to get a big promotion. Right. You know, I've, I've worked with that product manager and didn't enjoy it. Mm -hmm. So that's that's where the trust comes from for me. And then like any other relationship, the communication side, you know, being able to be open, have a real conversation and, you know, it, it's not to be rude, mm -hmm. but it's like, yeah, this isn't working, man. Mm -hmm. we got to quit doing this or... Are you sure? Is that your final answer type of approach? And that to me seems like what young couples who have to endure arranged marriages are really spending a lot of time dealing with. I have one more analogy, I guess, on that one. Someone described it to me well as two Venn or a Venn diagram. You have the PM and the EM role, and you have the PM there kind of defining the what and the why and helping kind of set that message and that and really generating the excitement for the team around the work that we are going to be setting out to do together then you have the em kind of the how and the when and then you have that perfect synergy i'm missing the fifth why so my see i i always treat it as the the em handles how and where and where so what technology are we using where are we doing it microservice not microservice and then together we have to figure out the win. Yes, there we go. So I think that that's been a really effective one for me to, to use as we set out uh, and look for opportunities across the business and then bringing that back to the EM and having those discussions and keeping that going. It's been really effective in I my like relationships. So, so what was that again you said? The what and the why, what PM. PM. The how and the where, how and the where. EM. And then together, and the when. The when. Yeah. So I think that that's been a, a nice framework to work under with yeah. EMs. So, so far, so word of advice of what's worked well for me. Yeah, uh, Meg, how has, um, how has trust impacted your relationships with uh, your product managers? Like how do you, how do you um, get to trust fast or any uh, tactics that you've used? So I am a firm proponent of radical candor mm -hmm. and that is something that I lay out for people in those first meetings. It's like, you know, I, I can be very direct. I have mm -hmm. to warn people about that. My directness is not everyone's cup of tea. Mm -hmm. Uh, but it'll be like, you know, I expect you to tell me if I get something wrong. You know, we're going to step on each other's toes. It's it's inevitable. There are fast decisions that have to be made, especially here at Ibotta. 
but I trust my PMs to tell me, hey, you've overstepped, and to take it kindly when I say, you overstepped. Um, it's been interesting because I've been through four product managers here at Ibotta now, hmm. and two of those relationships have been pretty solid. Two of them were not as solid, and I think the biggest struggle can be making sure that you have a shared vision, mm. and then that that vision is aligned with the senior leadership team. Because if one of those three is out of alignment, the relationship doesn't work. Mm. Makes sense. It's great advice. Any tactics, Jeff, that you've learned to expedite trust? Put you on the spotlight. Um, Downtown Denver is a wonderful place to take a walk. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, it's it's funny that I've been a parent for a long time, and the experiences that I've had as a parent mirror so many things that I have in or experience in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And ironically, going for a ride with your kid in a car is the, one of the best ways to have a conversation. That not looking at each other, not mm -hmm. having that particular, oh, what you know, and just they just open up and I have found the same thing in the business world you know yeah this is a good format looking across mm -hmm. the table for some conversations but that get to know let's go for a walk yeah. you know and you know you and I have mm -hmm. been through gave me a little history lesson about parts of Denver yeah and, that was um, fun been out and around <laughs> with other people it's not that to me I, I think helps mm -hmm. uh, you know bumping into Patrick downstairs uh, one night uh, you know those are things that are just you know the casual acquaintances. Oh, oh yeah, this is a person, you know, someone not just a, a coworker. Yeah. yeah. So Meg, you kind of touched on. I think one of the pain points I've always seen with EMs and PMs okay. is PMs tend to get dragged into a lot of SLT or stakeholder meetings, and I've seen PMs do a poor job of either bringing the EM into the conversation early uh, or not reeling a lot of that. Do you have any recommendations for how to mitigate some of that? I think some of it is, as an EM, trying to stay on top of the radar of those sorts of things. So if your PM's suddenly disappearing for a bunch of meetings with senior leadership, just insert yourself. <laughs> Be like, I'm going to come along. Um, I mean, we saw that earlier this year when we were talking about the new registration flow. Brian got a bunch of designers in a room and nobody technical. And at the point that you and I came in, we had to be like, whoa, wait, hold up. The technical feasibility of this is there, but it's a way bigger lift than you think it is. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, you know, some of it is just, it, it goes back to trust and candor. You know, you have to be willing on both sides to insert yourself and say, hey, I need to be in the room here. I'd love to talk about that a little bit more. Do you think that's EM specific and wanting to have the seat at that table? Or do you think that that's consistent across all of EMs? And being, I think a lot of times people assume engineers like want to be behind a computer and they want to be coding. But I think having that representation at the, the table is always really important. So I'm curious if that's kind of like across the board and wanting to be in the room and having those conversations or in some cases, have you worked with other EMs that have been like, here's the answer from engineering, like, make sure that that's communicated out? It definitely is not across the board. Um, I like to joke that I'm not afraid of CEOs and CTOs because I've been yelled at by admirals. I started my career <laughs> government worse. contracting. Yeah, they're, they, they're way worse. Yeah. Um, so for me, I want to be in the room where the decisions are being made. I, yeah. As a person, I'm fairly ambitious. I want that information firsthand. Yep. 
but I agree there are some cases where you probably have to reluctantly drag your EM to the table. Okay, yeah. Yeah, there are places where the EM and the PM should be at the table. Sometimes it's more technical. Mm -hmm. um, for me, a lot of that goes back to trust. You know, I know if Kevin's in one of those meetings that I'm going to get a, you know, a full disclosure of what happened, what was discussed. That's a good time because sometimes being gone for two to three hours in uh, on on a busy day isn't a good use of my time. Sure. Um, so that's that's something I find really valuable where I can say, hey, can you do this? Or he says, Jeff, can you work on this? And uh, I used to, I'll use another analogy, but tag team, right? You know, it's Yep, great, got this, you know, and knowing, not having to go, you know, follow up six times. Did you get this? Did you get this? No, 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 it, he's got it. And I understand it's going to get done. You yep. did the same thing when we started working together. It's yeah. like, great, it's good, you know, yeah. and that, that to me makes the, the sum of the parts uh, <laughs> a lot better than yep. the individual pieces mm -hmm. because it's like, yeah, just a team. Yeah. What's your recommendation for PMs who maybe working with newer EMs, especially those that, you know, were just in the code base and now are stepping away. Um, helping them get out of the command and control approach. Um, I've worked really hard on trying to get the squad uh, as being able to tackle the technical work. I, I like providing, hey, here's the path, you know, here's the fork, let's take the right one, uh, rather than saying, yeah, put your left foot in front of your right foot, you know, and just, uh, and helping a, a good product manager can help the EM realize that it's like, yeah, you know, I bet they could, I bet they could take this epic and break it up into stories, or I, I bet if you assign these stories out, you know, that I think this person would do a pretty good job. And this is stuff that Kevin and I have been working on, just trying to get this grooming process mm -hmm. to run smoother, trying to get our velocity back up. We had to rebuild the team this yeah. uh, back in Q2, and you know, we went from a velocity of <clears throat> below 20 uh, to above 40, yeah. but it was down yeah. and then it started going back up. But it's, it's willing to try stuff, being willing to make a mistake. And I, well, and that's another key thing, helping the engineering managers, new ones, realize that it's okay to make mistakes. And um, it's something that a, an experienced product manager can help out almost in a mentoring role. Hey, it's okay. <laughs> They'll work this out. And I think the other side of that is also, as PMs, you often have a bigger picture than the engineers do in day-to-day. -day, and that is one of that is one of the things I found hard transitioning from IC to EM is the fire hose of I knew what I was working on and how it fit in to this is how my squad fits into the bigger picture, this is how my subgroup, how my group, these are the initiatives that are on the product roadmap. So, um, you know, Patrick has the product roadmap, I have a technical roadmap, we try to marry the two. Teach your, make your EM write a technical roadmap because, you know, it helps prevent them from getting in a scenario where they have focused so far down the road on future work that we are held up by all the craft we haven't dealt with. Yeah. I'd love to talk about prior or once an epic has kind of been defined and here's the what and the why, how do you guys effectively break down that work? I think I've seen it done different areas and different squads that I've worked on. Um, do you come into a room together, break that work down? Do you leave it up to the individual contributors to assign the stories? I think there's a million ways to approach it, but I'd love to learn from you guys what you think works best. 
one of the things that we're trying here at Ibotta now is to move away from big epics into smaller epics and trying to get to a two to three week cycle on epics, um, which depending on how your approach is to agile programming, it's like, uh, that's an awful small epic. Um, so we've been instituted the initiatives and the initiatives have been a good discussion point between EMs and PMs. This is what the initiative looks like and an opportunity to start kicking out. These are some of the major pieces and here's a, a good size for that piece, AKA the epic. Um, and what we've been doing is working together at squad. We have a refinement session and we say, okay, look, here's what we're trying to do with an epic. Here's some highlight. Here's the general direction. We're going to an event driven architecture. We're going to build this as a microservice type of discussion and then working with the engineers to start breaking things down. And part of what made it tough for us is that we didn't have any examples for anyone to, hey, yeah, last time we did this, you know, we needed these six things. And there's been a lot of that. And, you know, our epics have been, okay, here's five stories. Okay, work through that. Oh, well, here's five more. (laughs) And it's it's been a lot of that process. So a little bit of um, ad hocness, if you will. RNA is a split team. We have both mobile and backend devs. And for every, essentially, initiative, we assign a tech lead. Patrick and I are very lucky. Mm-hmm. The RNA squad is very engaged, very passionate, cares very much about registration and activation. So we hold some initial sessions. Patrick writes a product brief. The tech leads go off and write these amazing documents. And everybody agrees on this is documented, this is where we're going to go. They write the stories, and everybody else is like, okay, I'm going to work on the story today. For all of our listeners out there, that is the ideal scenario. <laughs> There's a lot of other ways to get there, but that is, that's a nice working yeah. situation I mean, that you guys have. I, I definitely step in and be like, hey, we need to make sure we're following the strictures architecture is laid out for us. Mm-hmm. Are there ways we can get it done faster? We actually, because our platform team has been very tied up in CCPA work, we took a project that was going to be mobile and platform and we moved it mobile only to get it out faster. Acknowledging that we have technical debt we'll then have to pick up later. But for an MVP to see if it works, let's get it out there and get it done. And I'll definitely admit that that is not the norm. I think most of the other teams I've worked with, I either didn't have an EM, um, which was rough uh, when you're dual heading, um, or it was just nowhere near that, whereas a lot of the PM and EM breaking everything down. So having that, that team that's that energetic really goes a long way. Yeah, yeah and I mean, I've seen EMs lay out every story, write every acceptance criteria, and they get overwhelmed. Yeah. How did you guys, keys to, uh, or any <coughs> advice that you have that you've, you seem to like have a really well-functioning team, high performers, everybody's excited about the work you're doing. Any advice that you can provide on how you got there with your squad? Not cheated. <laughs> <laughs> I had one person had to rebuild a squad around it. So, uh, and frankly, I used the hiring um, you know, to look for good team fit. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite stories is the most successful sports team in the United States is the women's soccer team for the University of North Carolina who's won uh, over 20 national championships and the coach wrote a book and he goes out and recruiting he does not look for superstars he looks for people who work well with other people because 
the team as 11 players. And same thing on the squad. You know, I'm looking for people who can work well. I love the tag team analogy where two people are working on it and they get to the point where, you know, hey, you've got this, yeah, I got that, and just they're doing this. Yeah. And it just, you know, that just makes me happy to watch two people work that well or three people work that well together. Yeah. So um, making sure you've got good cultural fits. If you don't have that, then those are opportunities to coach your staff up. You know, hey, look, um, one of the big things I tell more senior people is let the more junior people talk first. Mm. And then they get a chance to be heard, and then you get to the senior person, they might have already said what you were going to say, and it's like, yeah, great. Add, some, add something else that the newbie, you know, that the newbie didn't think of. And, you know, that's an opportunity for the whole team to start working together. That's embracing that yes and principle mm -hmm. from improv. Yeah. 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 Yes, that's great. And. Um, I think for RNA, it's one combination of judicious hiring because we brought in three engineers over the last six months, uh, hopefully a fourth shortly. And it's one part because we were a brand new squad at the beginning of the year, people were able to self select in to some extent. Mm -hmm. And so the core of the team, uh, one of our Android developers, two of our platform engineers, are all really passionate about working in this space. So it actually kind of brings up a question. So there's, I know there was a Twitter thread and a bunch of other stuff going around about the 10X engineer. And I, there's always this kind of back and forth, I feel like, in a PM space where we're like, yes, go faster, be that person. But I've always found a 10X engineer to be a handicap or to cripple the team. So how do you work with a PM who may just want to be like, ship it faster and faster to basically break down that wall and bring everyone on it? Can, can you face? explain the 10X engineer? Because I haven't heard this. Yeah. Oh. Not aware. So the 10x <laughs> engineer is a mythical dude because it's always a dude <laughs> who is the guru of the code, knows everything, can get everything done, and the moment he gets bored, gets hit by a bus, or decides to retire, your company fails. Because, and I, I know this from experience, um, when I took over my team at IHS Market, 75% of the team had been there 15 years or longer and 50% 25 or longer. We had a situation where we had one guy who'd been there 39 years and everyone deferred to his opinion on everything. 10X engineers hoard code, they're not likely to document it well, and the rest of your team, so in my experience, they look good by comparison because they're not giving anyone else a chance to do anything. And you, you kind of have to lay that out for your PM. It's like, do you want a sustainable product or do you want it out the door? Do you want three years from now when this guy has been lured away with a whole bunch of money by somewhere else, Google or whatever, do you want to be able to continue the product or do you want to lose a year to a complete rewrite? So I would encourage everyone to coach youth sports <laughs> because one of the more, and this actually ties back, I have coached so many different teams where you get one individual, male and female, who's the superstar of the team, you know, scoring all the goals, and then they're on vacation with their family, they're not at a game, and you just see all these other people around them blossom. You're just like, where have you been all season? You know, that type of thing. And, you know, that was my aha, you know, moment about a 10-Xer. They might exist, and they might write code really, really well, but they're sucking all the oxygen out of the room. 
um, the ideal of can we get more done if we turn this person loose and so I think 10xers in terms of being able to write phenomenally um, you know pr phenomenally productive while writing code great that's a fantastic ideal um, but if you get someone who comes onto the team and the entire team is 10 times more productive, you know, give me one of those, you yeah. know, give me two of those and I'll share. But, you know, I, I think that's a better place to go. And that is something where an EMPM can work together of, you know, I don't need a wild stallion out here writing all this crazy code. What I need are, you know, these people coming together and things that suddenly, that things that were going to be a big uh, cliff to get up and over suddenly like yeah we got this and that's the kind of team mm -hmm. that I think works best in most corporate environments because Meg's right yeah that person wins the lottery gets the you know big <coughs> here's all your stock options come join us at Google kind of SOL I mean mm -hmm. you've sucked all the oxygen out of the room and no one else is like ready to be there for it I would much rather have a senior or principal engineer who was amazing at documenting and explaining and pairing and helping other people because that's your true 10x engineer. Mm -hmm. yeah. Someone who the, the rising tide lifts all boats. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, even simple math, a 10x or the ideal is someone who's 10 times more productive than anyone else, but you get someone who's a 10x or at the team level mm. and now your team of 10 is 10 times better it's like uh, yeah this is easy yeah. mm. and so I know Megan and I have also had a lot of conversations about the demographic and the breakdown of the team and so I'd be curious to just kind of around the table um, oftentimes unfortunately tech is a and still is a male dominated profession so how do we encourage more women into the you know into the tech how do we bring a more cohesive team together to build better products too? I think, uh, for me, I think we don't do enough to help young engineers. So, uh, two key points, that there are a lot of people coming out of code schools uh, and graduates, and a good demographic on that. The challenge we face is most of them don't have enough experience. The ideal of being able to take those people in with an emphasis on diversity and putting them in a program where they spend the first three months or first six months getting up to speed with an expectation that yeah we're hiring new grads and we're going to get them to a certain point in six months and then come back and adjust the salary because the part that sucks is bringing someone in paying them an entry-level salary, you run them through this intensive program, you get them to the point where they're real productive and they're still making entry-level salary. And you know, a 3% or 4% raise just isn't enough to help these people. I mean, you need to make a real serious adjustment and get them up to the point to where they have a competitive salary after year one, a competitive salary at year two. Otherwise, all you're doing is turning your, your company into a finishing school for you know all the other companies. But that's that is not just something an EM or a PM can do. That takes a company directive. Yeah. Agreed. Um, there are some companies in our space that have diversity and inclusion as a value on their website. We do not. There are some companies in our space who have made commitments to 50-50 parity. Uh, I wish them a lot of luck there because watching the market, it's very difficult. It feels a little bit like a chicken and egg problem. Um, 
we hire a lot of women in general across the industry women tend to be clustered in senior engineer and below despite equivalent experience or more experience um, I know I'm forgetting who's it is but hired's done some stuff on this there's a couple of other places um, and so to get senior women you need to have senior women but you have to get senior women to have senior women um, also you have to be, it's not enough to hire, you have to follow and make sure that there's the inclusivity. Because that is where you will lose people. Is, you know, the culture will look fine, they'll come on board, and then those little microaggressions will stack up, and you might be able to tolerate 10 or 15 needles stuck into you. Maybe more if you're an acupuncture, 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 <laughs> I cannot speak today, um, type person. But over time, you're just carrying that accumulated weight. Um, I It really hasn't gotten better in 20 years. My CS101 class was 50% women. Mm. My CS201 was 33%. There were three of us who graduated out of the program, and of them, I'm the only one still in tech. Wow. So is there anything we can do from the PM side to help encourage? Um, push your hiring managers to look more broadly push them to there's um, there's a lot of research on things like just putting two women into your candidate pool means one of them's more likely to get through putting two people with a foreign sounding name into your candidate pool makes one of them more likely to get through um, work your networks figure out you know and honestly just keep an eye on things there's a lot of little things, I mean, it makes me think of Ferengis every time I hear it, but females is nails on chalkboard for a lot of people. And just watching for those sorts of things, being like, hey, you know, maybe we should say women here. What I've seen, I've had a couple coworkers over the years move out of tech, um, uh, females in this particular case. Women. Yeah. Um, the, the things that was usually most frustrating for them was a lack of interaction. Males seem to be more comfortable with sitting in front of a keyboard, beating out code. Um, more women, some women enjoy that, but more of them actually enjoy the interaction part. The how can we work this together? Um, experience from coaching on that one as well too. But I think that part of the message that has been helpful for me in recruiting here is to focus on the collaboration, to focus on the opportunity to learn, to to talk about the fact that we don't just say, hey, go work on this and, you know, I'll, I'll give you some uh, food and water every eight hours. You know, I don't think that is an appealing environment. Um, and that's that's worked relatively well for me. You know, it's like, yeah, I like the idea of working and talking and interacting and you know, and whiteboarding and, and having that there, I think that helps. And then keeping an eye on the squad to make sure that people with less experience get a chance to talk so that their ideals are heard. It is so powerful to come into a company. Um, we uh, stage this on rewards or no audience platform now, but uh, we had a female engineer come in. We had a story coming up. It was in the backlog. We got it groomed. And that was her first story. And like within the first week, she had a new feature actually out in the product, and she got a shout out at the company level. 
um, you know, that that's a real powerful motivator for someone coming in and making a difference in your first week. And oh yeah, she had a smile on her face. <laughs> but that's some things that I think an EM can help out. Yeah. Let them shine. Let them get a chance to do something as opposed to, you know, just just follow whatever this person over here is telling you to do. Yeah, I think also Ibotta has been very supportive around getting involved with the community and helping the community see opportunities within tech and starting with children with at, at the high school level. So this year we're working with Denver Public Schools and specifically students that have expressed an interest in a tech track and helping them understand what opportunities are available for them while you're in high school. I just think I had no idea what that world looked like at that age, and I think if we can help really start to, to plant that seed that early in a student's life, they can really see what opportunities are available. So I think getting involved in the community, and whether it's you know through your company or on, on an individual level, that's, that's huge as well. Yeah, we've done a lot of uh, shadowing, I know, just from yeah. family members coming in and just spending the day with individuals, and like, um, yeah, yeah, you've done that, I've done that as well, and uh, that's very effective because um, a lot of the takeaways are so interesting. Um, my niece came in, <coughs> and um, we I had her sit down with different um, women in different kind of technology roles and sales roles and other roles in the company, and she was just like, I had no idea that they did this, or I didn't know. Like, she was so amazed that she was about to go to college, and she was so amazed that oh, they didn't even study technology or anything? Like, they, they studied animal sciences, and now they're, like, this a machine learning engineer? Like, what? <laughs> so it was kind of cool um, to see her reaction from that, but I think that, that's something we could do here, too. You know, anyone that's interested in them, bring them in, yeah. shadow them for a day, um, and just show them how um, things work here. But uh, we're going to wrap it up. So one quick thing before we leave. Um, for Jeff and Meg, do you guys have any advice for PMs out in Denver today that are new to working with EMs? Um, any advice for them kind of coming into that role and in that partnership? Assume good intent. That's one of our, that's part of our team principles is assume good intent. And I think you go a long way in a relationship by defaulting that trust, assuming that good intent and coming to the table with we're both trying to make this better here. Yeah, 100% on that one. Um, I would also add on that one, actually the EMPM combination is a new role for a, a lot of places. And I think that um, assuming, or go into this and understand there's a partnership involved, that one person is not telling the other person what to do. And if you go into it with that approach that we're going to solve this together, then it will work a lot better than someone trying to tell the other person how to do their job. That doesn't ever have good outcomes. <laughs> Great. Well, that's awesome. Thank you, guys. Uh, thank you for joining us. Of course. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. Um, all right. Well, that wraps up this week's product coffee. We've all finished our coffee. So thanks for joining us. Uh, now go level up. Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things products. Let me do that one more time. <laughs> Welcome to Product Coffee, a podcast where product professionals from Ibotta share stories, advice, and thoughts on all things. Pro- oh, 
it's early. One more time. I'm sorry. You got on it. all things product. Okay. 